read and hear more about important news, events, and public policy debates at ncnewsline.com. This is News and Views. Welcome to News and Views. I'm your host, Rob Schofield. When North Carolina Republicans obtained veto-proof supermajorities at the General Assembly early in 2023, thanks to the party switch of Mecklenburg County Representative Tricia Cotham, it suddenly opened the door to the enactment of a raft of new laws that had long been blocked by the pen of Democratic Governor Roy Cooper. And two areas in which newly elected laws were especially momentous were elections and abortion. And recently, in order to get a reminder of exactly what the new laws in those vitally important fields do, and to take a look at one subject of bipartisan agreement, Medicaid expansion, I caught up with my colleague, NC Newsline investigative reporter, Lynn Bonner. Well, Lynn Bonner, Happy New Year. Welcome back to News and Views. Thanks for having me. So my gosh, you covered so many of the top stories from 2023. Hard to know where to begin, but let's start with democracy and debate over voting and redistricting, gerrymandering. Talk to us about some of the key stories there and the status of them. Well, so many things that are key to voting and elections that are going to have repercussions for next year and probably years to come. Um, we've got a new voter ID law in effect, and it has not run entirely smoothly for some people. As I noted in a recent story, there were some people who got sort of threatening letters from the Guilford Board of Elections. There were people who forgot to bring IDs for various reasons and whose votes were ultimately not counted. You know, it's a limited problem in a municipal election year because Voter turnout is just so much lower, but imagine in a state where victors win by a hair, Justine in 2020 won by less than two tenths of a percent of the vote, where, you know, some problems with people who don't have IDs or forgot to bring IDs with them to the polls don't have their votes counted. I mean, that possibly could make a difference in who wins a statewide election. There's also the issue of election law changing where absentee ballots must be at the board of election by the close of election day. And so the three day grace period that we've been operating under for years is, is going away. That also might have uh, huge implications for whose ballots count and whose ballots don't count. So we have voter ID impacting elections. And we also have this redistricting that's going to likely make the Republican legislature more Republican and change the congressional delegation next year. Having gone through redistricting, we're going to go from a congressional delegation that is seven Democrats, seven Republicans, to one that's going to be either 10 Republicans and four Democrats or 11 Republicans and three Democrats, three incumbent Democrats that North Carolinians sent to Congress aren't running again. And in the sixth district uh, that includes Greensboro, where Kathy Manning is now the Democratic incumbent, there is no Democrat that has filed to run in that race. So that kind of shows the impact of redistricting and how it can change the political makeup of the state or state representation. There are tons of other changes that have been made in redistricting in in the state House and state Senate maps. There are districts that Republicans have won where they have shorn up the districts to make them more safely Republican. They have redrawn districts to essentially make it difficult for a 
an incumbent Democrat to win. They've drawn people out of their seats. I'm thinking of Natasha Marcus, for example, who was drawn into a Republican district with an incumbent Republican, and she decided not to run for re-election in the Senate. So there are broad changes coming as a result of redistricting. There have been two redistricting lawsuits filed. One is challenging the state Senate map, and one is challenging the congressional map as racial gerrymanders. Um, the state is probably going to hold the 2024 elections under the GOP maps passed this year, the folks who filed challenging the congressional map did not ask for sort of an accelerated schedule. So filing has gone through and people have filed to run for elections under the maps that were drawn. So it's unlikely that there's going to be any change in time under that lawsuit for, for the boundaries to change. And a judge denied an accelerated schedule for the folks who filed challenging the state Senate map. So it looks like maps are set, at least for 2024. Yeah, it looks like there's little likelihood that the Republican legislature will be restricted in its ability to, to draw the maps for 2024. We will have, uh, we pretty much know what things are going to look like and probably what the outcome will look like in many instances. It'll be fascinating right. to watch. Obviously, another issue that you covered in great depth uh, that also involves litigation in some respects is abortion rights. That was another area in which North Carolina was at the forefront of the national discussion, passing new series of restrictions on abortion rights, not as draconian as many other states, but still a lot of concern from people who are concerned about reproductive health care. Sure. There is a essentially a 12-week ban on abortions. There are some exceptions for health of the mother um, and rape and incest, but essentially it's, for most people, it's, it's 12 weeks. The Guttmacher Institute found after the first month that the ban was in effect that there was a 31% decrease in abortions. And the reason posed is that there are, in addition to that 12-week, for the most part, limit, there are a whole lots of other restrictions on people who are seeking abortion and for providers. So what's now required is for a 72-hour waiting period the law says you have to have counseling 72 hours before you get an abortion. So that counseling, that 72-hour counseling can no longer be over the phone. It has to be in person. What that requires is somebody traveling to a facility for counseling and then coming back three days later to most likely get an abortion pill from a doctor. And for people who have to travel a long distance or have to make childcare arrangements or have to take time off from work, that puts an additional hurdle in front of them where they may not be able to sort of have a procedure that might take one minute. It actually lasts three days. So even though it's not a total ban, there has been a significant decrease in abortions as a result of the law. There is a lawsuit continuing over the law, but it deals with a fairly narrow section of the law. So broadly, this is is the law we have. Yeah, I suppose we should add that even with these restrictions, the law is probably more generous than in perhaps some surrounding states. There may be still women of means who come to North Carolina because they can't get an abortion in Georgia or Tennessee. So right. But I guess the women without the ability to 
you know, low income women who don't have time or money to make those kinds of arrangements that are seeing the greatest impact. Let's end on a somewhat happier note, which is Medicaid expansion, which finally happened in North Carolina. You're covering that as it starts to be implemented and it uh, should make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. Yeah, 600,000 people eligible for health insurance under Medicaid. And, you know, none of the cost is coming out of the state budget. The federal government is paying 90% of the cost and state is getting $1.6 billion over two years as a signing bonus. So a win really all the way around for, especially for people who are sick and people who just need routine care. You know, other studies for that states expanded Medicaid found that people are healthier, they're less likely to have medical debt in collections. So there's a factor of economic health in addition to physical health. So of the 600,000 people that state believes are eligible for Medicaid under expansion, about 300,000 people were signed up automatically. So now the search is on for the other half, and it's uh, kind of aggressive outreach on the part of uh, several groups to tell people that they may be eligible for health insurance and to help them get signed up. And the amazing benefits of it were enough for Governor Roy Cooper to swallow an awful lot of nasty pills in order to agree to to that budget to become law, right? I mean, it was there's a lot of stuff in there that he clearly was very strongly opposed to. And and the possibility of sustaining a veto would have been very difficult, but it still was striking that he... There were a lot of poison pills in there. Uh, you know, there were sections of the bill that added judges. The legislators, Republican legislators can now appoint judges, something they could never do on their own before. I mean, just lots of things in the budget that if they were in separate bills he probably would have vetoed them. And as we come to the final year of the Cooper administration, more of the same in 2024, the same kinds of battles and governor being in a fairly weak position vis-a-vis uh, -vis battling back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, with the elections coming in 2024, the party in power usually doesn't take a lot of big steps right before elections. But certainly they've shown that they have enough votes to pass anything they want. And the governor's veto has not been sustained at all this year. So we might be seeing some more of the same. It's hard to know. You know, one thing that's that you'll be covering it for us at NC Newsline. Lynn, thanks so much for your great work. Happy New Year. And I'm sure we'll talk again in the new year. Oh, absolutely. Happy New Year. Coming up next, a look at some of the top developments from 2023 in the world of public education. Don't go away.